Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. As a church, we are in a very powerful, interesting season, which I would call Oh, I would say I would call because it's not me that called it. The Lord called it. We are in a season of transitioning. All right? And come transitions, and that's the Lord, the word of the Lord to me. Come transitions um, comes, introduces a lot of sensitivity. There's a lot of things that's going to happen. Let me explain it to you this way. If you've gone to the beach before one of the things you observe about the ocean in the beach is that there are several waves that occurs and so the water would come like this and then after some time maybe one two three minutes time it comes again and like that and like that and like that the lord says that between now and the feast there are going to be several waves that's going to happen in the new and one of the things that's going to be happening in those waves is that god is going to be anointing people God is going to be separating people apart. God is going to be instructing people. It's a very sensitive season. It's one that we have, with every sense of sensitivity that we have and discernment that we have, that we must walk circumspectly and graciously in this season. With a very high sense of discernment. And so that you would be able to know exactly what God is saying and what God is doing where you are concerned in this season. Look, for some people, some of the very biggest things that's going to happen in your life would even happen on a Sunday service, maybe not necessarily at the feast. But the sensitivity of the season, which means that when we say a season is sensitive, it means that there are two things. There would be general instructions and most importantly, there's going to be individual instructions. In a season like this, one of the instructions that might come for some of you, which I truly believe is beckoning in your heart already. The moment I say it, you say, bingo, this is exactly what has been coming to my heart. For the past one, two months, probably you've not been fasting, you've not been praying. But in the past few days, you've been sensing in your heart that the Holy Spirit is employing your heart to graciously take some time to fast. Some of you, you've been feeling like you go on a three days, seven days, 21 days. You just feel like you need to do a little bit of spiritual um, concentration. Remember one of the things that I taught you the other day, the, the law of the concentration of forces. I talked about how when the plane wants to fly, when the plane begins to task, tax, You'd hear the pilot say, particularly if it's an international flight. The pilot would ask you to turn off your phones, not even airplay mode. Then the pilot tells you to turn off all the lights, fasten your seatbelts. That's not the time you want to go to the restroom. That's not the time you want to go around and talk around and do all those things. They say, sit down. And then by the time the flight wants to take off, the crew of the cabin crew turns off the lights of the plane. What are they trying to do? What they're trying to do is to conserve all the energy because when the plane wants to take flight and take off, 
the plane needs every energy that it can it can put together to fly because that moment of tasking taxing and that takeoff moment is very crucial to the success of the plane so they tell you to turn off all the light they tell you to turn off everything you have to sit down use your seat belt the 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 cabin crew are not serving drinks at the time they are all seated they don't want you to turn off your phone they'll go around asking you please turn off your phone ma please turn off your phone sir and they ensure that they follow that due protocol why because every energy that is required they need it to take up to take off now when the plane takes off and it gets to a particular altitude most times we know this about pilots that usually when they get to the particular altitude and they get to that place where it's now on cruise they no longer need to get involved with the with using all those things that they use and they sometimes sleep may you know i enter a plane that the pilot has slept off where you're going to you're going to morocco then you meet yourself in zimbabwe but you see at the time they take off the concentration required for takeoff is not necessarily the concentration or the depth of concentration required when you are cruising are you following what i'm saying there when the lord begins to imply in your spirit that it is another time for takeoff the application and the things that you do is different from when you are cruising you can apply as though you are cruising when you are about to take off the two laws would not operate with each other some of you you know what i'm talking about you're about to cruise pardon me you're about to take off you feel it in your spirit you just know that something has happened but i there is a spiritual demand that the lord is beckoning on my heart there's a spiritual demand it's like god is asking me to spend some more time to pray you've been doing one hour prayer 30 minutes prayer 15 minutes prayer either one but this time around you feel like the lord is saying I want to create a sense of consistency in your life and I need you to go a little bit deeper two hours with me daily. In fact, for some of you, I'm talking to people specifically here, you're actually sensing in your heart that it should be morning and night. Glory to God. You should add fasting to it. You know why? Because it's a very sensitive time. It's a very sensitive time. When Jesus was going to the cross, remember this, in the Garden of Gethsemane, which we call as Tuesday, Tuesday services. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was, he was about to partake the greatest task of his life. The very purpose through which he came. The very essence of his being. The very purpose through which the book of John chapter 3 verse 16, which we all quote, was there, existed in the first place. For God so loved the word that he gave. The Bible says that if sin came to the earth by one man, then much grace by another. The very purpose through which he came, he was about to fulfill it. But he could not do it without the encounter at Gethsemane. It meant that for me to go and do this thing that God has asked me to do, or I even gave up myself to do, then I'm going to need strength to do it. And so he got to the garden of Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, watch with me one hour. Then he went to pray. Stayed there, prayed came back to meet them look at what the bible says they were sleeping remember again in the book of luke chapter 18 this was in the mount of transfiguration when moses and elijah came to meet jesus they were right there the bible says they were sleeping when somebody else the bible says that is 
countenance was transformed. His countenance. But they were sleeping. One person's countenance was being transformed. The other people were sleeping. Remember the story of the Bible, in the Bible as well, when Elijah was going to be taken up. The other prophets were aware that Elijah was going to be taken up, but they were not doing, or let me put it this way, they didn't have the strength to go the far length that Elijah. You see, it's one thing to have desire. It's another thing to put your desire to work. Having a good desire to pray doesn't breath the praying life. Desires are great, but putting the desire to work is what brings the difference. Are you following what I'm saying? Oh, do you know that the Lord is taking your master today? I know. Shut up, sir. I'm going. Some were spectating, talking about what was going to happen in the feast, and some were preparing for the feast. Are you hearing something there? It's one thing to say that Sabaoth, 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 and just come there casually. Your word can be said, and you don't even know that that's yours. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? And so you prepare with sensitivity. You prepare with sensitivity. There's a sensitivity required in a season of a man's life. And let me tell you something about your spiritual family. This is a very powerful teaching I want to help you explain. You see why God puts people in a spiritual family? It's because most often than not, hear what I'm about to say to you. Most often than not, in a spiritual family, the happenings of the people, if you ask them one, two, three, four, five, the witness of the Holy Ghost on their inside is almost similar to what is going on to the next person. So in other words, what happens in a spiritual family is that God then gives a word in now or a word in season because most often than not, it fits into what is going on with everybody. I'll give a practical example here. The moment I started talking about, you started feeling in your heart that you needed to go a little bit deeper in prayer and in fasting. And you felt like this past season, you were not really into it as much. But you started feeling it. It's not yet the weightiness of it. You know when it's weightiness of where you're feeling the sense of urgency, but it's already scratching you. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. If you felt that way while I was talking, please raise your right hands up. Did you see that? I'm trying to explain something to you there. That in a spiritual family, usually, that's why the Lord sends your word in your spiritual family. Are you following what I'm saying? When Jesus was going to feed 5,000 people, five loaves of bread and two fishes, look at the very wisdom that he used there. He asked them a very simple thing. Before they started feeding, because the testimony of that 5,000, five loaves of bread and two fishes, 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes, the very testimony of that thing is actually the fact that Jesus told them to sit in their company and the feeding and the food was given to them in their company. Are you getting what I'm saying there? It meant that for there to be provision, there has to be organization. Are you getting what I'm saying? And it's in the company the food comes to meet them. Are you hearing what I'm saying there? This is why it's very important that when it comes to your local assembly, it is a very critical thing that the Lord chooses for you. Why? Because your feeding is in that place. And most often than not, it is with that most people in that place might be going through the same thing. So when it's time to pray, they pray from that passion. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the similar thing is going on with them. A very good example, Acts chapter 4. Remember Acts chapter 4 when the Bible talks about the saints were being troubled by the, the, the um, uh, 
Pilate and all of those things. There's a name that just flew my head right now. But anyway, no, not Pharisees. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. What did, what did, what did they say Acts for? Acts chapter 4. They asked for boldness. It meant that all of them were having the same problem. But they asked for boldness. The Bible says, and they were bold. I'm paraphrasing there. And they began to speak the word of faith. And so in a spiritual family like this, and in a spiritual season like we are in now, I want you to be very conscious about it. I would even say to you that this is not a time to eat so much. Eat for strength. Not eat to be joyful. Well, be joyful when you eat. But it's not like... (laughs) Amen. Remember this. When you are now taxing, no, when you are now cruising, you can, you, can, you can chill. But when the Lord says, it's time for me to take you to another level, how many of you are feeling what I'm talking about? It's a new season. It's a new day. A fresh anointing. It's coming my way. Am I correct? Season of power and prosperity. It's a new season. It's a new season. Hallelujah. Let me pray one prayer for you again. May the Lord give you the strength. To wait it through. May the Lord give you the staying power. Look, everyone, look at me, everyone. Some of you have experienced this season before, but you went in and out. You started out well, but you felt like you didn't finish the course. May the Lord give you the, the staying power. There's such a huge glory ahead of you. And guess what? It's not going to even happen 2024. It's going to happen this year. <laughs> I tell you this by the spirit of prophecy. But there's a clock. A new clock that's hap- occurred. Apply the law of concentration of forces. Would you do that? Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. This evening, I have a short time left. I'm going to teach on the name of Jesus. I thought you were going to scream. Hallelujah. I'm so looking forward to the feast. Um, I think it's going to be the biggest, the most impactful most spiritual that we've ever had in the new I tell you the truth it's going to be on a whole new level Um, I can count for you about four or five circles that we have experienced as a church that has moved us into something new cleansed us into something new and this one is one of those it's going to be a spirit it's, it's going to be something else please 
don't miss it for anything. If I were you, I'll take a, I'll take a time off work, even if it's from Friday. When we announce the venue, if you can, get a hotel close to the venue. This is how to, this is how to prepare for spiritual things. Amen. I was sharing a story with some of the pastors. When I, was at, when I went for Southwest Believers Convention, I wanted to stay alone, but I had a, a, um, a friend or a senior colleague, you know, um, who was living in that area. His house was about one, one hour away from the venue in Fort Worth, Texas. So I was telling my wife that, ah, I think I would like to stay in a hotel so that, you know, I'm going for a spiritual exercise. I'm not going to gist. I'm going there. But eventually, I committed, so I went to the house. So we're there. So we went together in the morning. Went for the conference together in the morning. So when we got there, there were, of course, thousands of people there. So we got in, and they told us to go and sit somewhere. So we all went and climbed one very high mountain. That was where our seat was, very top, top. So you can only see what is going on from the back end. Not from the back end. You are in the hall, but from afar. You know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, I will fly all the way from Nigeria. These people have been watching all my life from campus. I will not be seeing them. I would have just stayed at home. So we sat down there. I was feeling discomfort. I just stood up. I said, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to the front. I'm going to the front. Who's going to the front with me? That's a prophetic word for someone. I'm going to the front. In fact, I'm in the front. Look at me, guys. I'm training you for the feast. Look, you are getting it. When those words are being released, can't you sense the anointing of the Lord in this service today? It's so tangible. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Now, let me continue the story. Glory to God. So, I started walking all the way down. I came down and I started walking all the way down. So, I walked past some of the ushers. They didn't stop me. I kept on walking. They didn't stop me. I kept on walking. They did not stop me. If human beings don't stop me, the air cannot stop me. So I kept on working. And then I got to a point which was where I saw, and you know, usually when you see people in black suits and a black tie, you know that they are telling you, you just respect yourself, you stop. So I'm telling you, this is so supernatural. Because um, some of you probably saw, saw me on videos and I was in front front. I'll tell you the story. I was sitting at the back, 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 back in the upper cologne those who were in the back they didn't like this to see I, mean, I wanted to see what was going on so I got to the front, the guy, one man just stopped me, you know the, uh, the protocol guy, he said sir, um, are you a pastor? I said yes sir he said okay so I had gotten to the place where of course it was only Kenneth Copeland's partners the VVIP people you saw all them Keith Moore, all the top, top pastors sitting there. So that was where they were. So, Mr. I don't even know who sent me, but now the Holy Ghost. I just go. So I stood there. The guy said, um, you're a pastor. I said, yeah. He said, from where? I said, from Nigeria. He said, oh, come with me. So I was following him. 
in my mind, I was going. When my mind was thinking, because it was taking me, we've passed the fourth seat, you know, like the fifth seat, the fourth seat. And my mind said, this guy won't carry me, go meet Copeland. Say, this guy jailed this guy. And my mind was just thinking, oh, they won't carry me, go. I don't know. I'm telling you, my mind said, my mind was thinking, if he turns left, I will just go back. Just in case he say, hey, that's the person we have been looking for. So he was just going, let me tell you supernaturally what happened. It took me to the second seat. There was an empty seat. Every other place people were sitting down there. It took me to the second seat. There was an empty seat. It said, sir, that seat is for you. There was an empty seat. Every, it said, sir, that seat is for you. I sat down there. Now, I was not at rest when I sat down. Because when I was seeing all the people that were sitting down there, I was looking at all these faces. I see all these faces now in TV. I so I sat down. But I sat down. You know Niger boy now? You sit down in the tip. You don't sit well, low. Because if they say you should stand up, you can stand up quickly. If you go and sit there, you don't put your bag on the floor. You, don't, you just put it like this. Just in case they call you out to stand up and go. So I sat down there. When they were, Kenneth Copeland came out, they were ministering. I was looking. You know, I was just in my mind. I was just thinking that the guy would just come and say, Oh, no, sorry, sir. Did you use something for me? Pa, come on, come on. But let me tell you what happened there. My desire produced that seat. Did you learn a lesson there? I wanted to be proxy. I wanted to be proxy. So the last day when Jesse Duplantis was teaching and he asked people to come out to pray for them. I was on the first out because I was in front seats. I was the first person to come there. (laughs) Now, the first people go to find front seats now. They go sit down for your seats, PD at this rate. But I just use that as an example. That as a way to prepare for a meeting. Are you getting what I'm saying? The people I met there, I met Kerry Copeland's grandson, Jeremy Pearson. Dr. K called me. Said, Paulo Jeshe Moripo meets Pearson. Because the, my, my heart, the way I went, I didn't go for let me just attend. I wanted something and I got it. Oh, you, you don't, I mean, you don't, anyway. <laughs> when you know what you want, you target it, you give all that it takes, you go for it, then you have it. Especially when it's spiritual things. Because it's always produced the material over and over again. Don't give me money. Give me what you know. Or what I don't know. And then I can produce what I need to know. I'm telling you. But it comes with every spiritual meeting. There's a sense of, I'm going for something. Your heart is opened. So when it lands, this is how men are transformed and transfigured. And move from one layer of glory to another layer of glory to another layer of glory to another layer of glory. Where your life becomes like a mystery to people. What is this thing about this person? It's not. It's just the hunger. Look at what Jesus says. John 7, 37, 36, 37. It's having one test. Let him come. In this realm, what we are purchasing power is our thirst. It's not really your money. It's your thirst. Amen. You know what I think? I'm supposed to preach a message, but somebody is pulling me some people have prayed their their hunger and their desire is pulling me in different direction but i draw myself back 
It's you. <laughs> Amen. But have you been blessed? Put your hands together for the Lord. All right, let's, let's see what we can do with the short time that we have. Tonight, we want to talk about the subject of the name of Jesus. How many of you love that name? If you sang about that name, wave your hands. If you love that name, wave your hands. If you love players that bear that name, wave your hands. The name of Jesus. Now let's start out by understanding what this name means. And I'm just going to ori this up. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 2. Let's go there to look at the foundation of name. Because this concept of name is very powerful. We use this as a foundational teaching when we talk about the name of Jesus and we put it side by side sometimes with earthly representations if I stand right here and I say Okbe and I'm talking to the people in the front row and I say if your name is Okbe on the front row stand up there's only one person that I know that is Okbe apart from please stand Apart from your other names, you know, some of us in Nigeria, we have 20 name, um, names, so, but at least I know that name is Okbe. Why do we give people name? The reason why names are given is for representation. And so that we can be able to tell and identify who is who. Representation, separation, identification, that's why we give people name. So that we can put a tag if you look at your gadgets everything has a name why so that it helps us to segment helps us to know all right what and what these things represent thank you please sit down now guess what this concept of name was actually not a man-made desire a man-made thing it wasn't as though it was man or science that now created the concept of name that will start naming things now, the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 20, chapter 2 and verse 20, if we start from verse 19, you see what God did there. God had created in Genesis chapter 1, all the way down to chapter 2. He created the stars, created the fishes, created the beast of the sea, of the air, of the land, of the sea. Everything that we see, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then God says, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. And guess what happened there? The moment God made man... Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 God blessed man Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth And God gave man the authority In other words, God gave man Like I always say The title deeds of the earth God gave man the legal rights to own the earth God gave man the rulership of the earth God gave man the authority of the earth Now if the Bible says God gave man authority And God gave man dominion It meant that he actually gave it to man that's why I always reference this quote, this Bible verse, the heavens, the, even the heavens is the Lord's and the earth as he given to the children of men. But you see, one very significant thing that we observed in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, after God gave man the earth by him having dominion, by him being fruitful, by him subduing the earth, was that when he came to the very things that was on the earth that he gave to man, God asked man to name it. Did you see that? It's very worthy of note to see that he did not give man the authority of the earth. You see, when you see these things in the Bible, it helps you to understand the original intentions of God. He didn't create all of those things 
and then named it himself and told Nan that this lion is going to be called lion because it roars. This cat is going to be called cat because it does meow, 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 meow. No. He, he made all of those things, then he gave the naming of it to man. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 20, chapter 2 and verse 20, let's start from verse 19. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the earth and brought them to who? Adam to see what he would call them and whatever Adam called each living creature that was its name whatever 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 do you understand that whatever it meant that if Adam says you are going to be called leopard not you let me point this way you're going to be called leopard and then all of a sudden man says no 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 you're not going to be called leopard anymore you're going to be called rats whatsoever he called them either he changed the name or he remains the name God left that authority for man so the concept of naming started out with man God transferred the authority of naming a thing to man in fact when it came to Eve as well you see the same thing in the experience of Adam Adam named Eve as well glory to God hallelujah you see that with man so, when it comes to naming, naming had always been something that existed before the foundation of the earth. Are you hear what I'm saying? Glory to God. If we go to the book of Ezekiel 26, 46, Isaiah 14, where did the word Lucifer come from? It's a naming. Are you hear what I'm saying? What is the word angels, cherubims, and seraphim naming? Because you see, when you look at Jesus and the Godhead and the peculiarity of the Godhead and then you look at the angels, there are differences with them. How do I know angels? And how do I know Jesus? Jesus is the son of God that took on human flesh and came to the earth. How do I know angels? Angels are not the son of God. Angels are ministering spirits. However, it helps us to be able to segregate and know who is who by naming them. It means that angels would excel in strength, but they will never be the son of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you know who is the son of God and who is ministering to the son of God by naming them. That's why the concept of naming helps us to re remove any form of confusion whatsoever. That's why I said, Ope, Ope will stand up. Now, if there was no name, and I just say, Ope, most likely everybody here is just going to stand up. Because everybody is just going to assume a name. That's why when they give birth to you, they name you. They name you for two reasons. I won't tell you the second reason. But Yoruba has the second reason why they name people. Do you know the Yoruba reason why they name people? No, I won't say it. Glory to God. And so there's a power in name. There's a power in name. In fact, if you look at our Nigerian culture or even European culture, they name people, and you see, this is very important, that God, listen to this, listen to this, God is very interested also in names. It's not only an ethnic culture. It's not only an African thing. No. There are several people in the Bible who God changed their names. Remember one? Abraham, his name was changed. 
Do you remember that? Peter, do you remember that? See, there are many people in the Bible whose name was changed. Why? Because God is interested in what a thing is called. Because you see, what a thing is called is the power of the thing. That's why in the African culture, we understand the concept of name so much that when we want to give, when we give birth and we name a child, when we name a child, we name the child with expectation of what that child would become. So if they say that your name, let me use my name so that nobody gets offended, and they say your name is Shola, is that the expectation of my parents is that I produce wealth. And so if I don't produce wealth, they would then say that you are not acting like your name. You remember that? I'm sure they've told you that before. How do you tell someone that is called Junior that you're not acting like his name? Amen. So naming is very important. It's not only a, a foreign thing. It's not only a cultural thing. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. And God is interested in names. Oh, yes. God names people again. I'm telling you the truth. I've had several experiences like that. In fact, there are some of you right here. It's very, it's very possible that God has asked you to change your name. Because if I had the opportunity, I'll name all of you in this church. I'll call at least 100 people Giringori. 50 of you Ochuko. Then 20 Fiona. Amen. Now, a name is so powerful because, you see, when you name a thing, the, there is a power. Let me give you a very good example. I remember one day I don't want to cast any departments but the department that used to use my name the most in this church is protocol no no don't move too much protocol just did I say protocol oh it's all the departments sorry amen but on this very funny day <laughs> I was sitting down and then some people were talking there and someone said um, PS needs it was the person I sent to but the person was sending somebody else to go. Now the person would go. Why? Because at the mention of the name of P.S., everybody must align. <laughs> so, if you use the name P.S. in the fear of church where we are, it carries weight. But if you go on the streets, particularly Oshodi, and I say P.S. is calling you, you know what's going to happen to you. So, your name can be relevant. Are you following something there? To the place. Now, it helps you understand when the Bible says there is no other name on which men must be saved but one name. It means that that name doesn't cut across just in the circle on the sector or the kingdom that we're representing. It's an endless name. Are you following what I'm saying? So, a name is very powerful. Now then, how are names given? Biblically, we'll see the several ways which names are given. Number one, names are given by choice. Oh yeah, there are people who would name, who are named by choice. What do I mean by choice? It means that I like this name, I name this child this name. It's my choice. Even culturally, we name people by choice. Glory to God. You know, tonight I'm talking about the name of Jesus. I'm breaking this down for you so that you can understand how that name came about. So that we can understand the potency and the power that is wrapped up in that name. 
So we can give name by choice. Number two, this one we find in the Bible a lot. We give name by experiences. Good experience, sad experience, bad experience. Remember the name in the Bible called Jabez. The Bible called him Jabez. His mother called him Jabez because he was of a sorrowful heart. Jabez means pain. Glory to God. So you can give names by experiences. Look at me, guys. I want to say this to you. If you are here and your parent gave you name by experiences, find a name that fits what you see and start calling yourself that one. Names are very powerful. Amen. So if they call you, ah! Ah! Say, what's your name? Ah! Uh-uh. Your name is not ah. <laughs> your name is blessed. Amen. Amen. So people get names by experiences. Experiences. Number three, by revelation. By revelation. Revelation there speaks about God introducing himself and picking a name for you. You saw that in the life of John the Baptist. Zachariah had to hear the name from the angel. They had to, and, and you know the encounters of what happened there. It was going to be, you know, asking funny, funny questions and then phew, it went numb. But he had the name. And when it was time for the naming ceremony, palm, his mouth opened up and then he could tell the name of the child by experiences. Now, if you look at the life of Jesus, now we're going to go a little bit deeper now, so follow me. You will see how the name of Jesus came about. Now, in the old covenants, there were prophets who were prophesying about a person that was going to be born. Isaiah prophesied about it. Jeremiah prophesied about it. Every, most of the major prophets in the Bible, there's what we call the major prophets and the minor prophets. The difference there is not like one is bigger than the other. It's just about the number of books that they wrote. Now the major prophets prophesied about the coming of Jesus. But the very first, the first time that that name was heard by Mary herself was in the book of Luke chapter 1. So let's go there and see that name. Because I want to answer a very big question for us. How many of you have seen footballers or met people whose name is Jesus? How many of you? And you are then afraid and wondering why somebody called themselves named Jesus. I'm going to go there in a moment. So I want to answer a question for you so because it's going to really help you to understand what that name really means. Glory to God. Now Luke chapter 1 verse 29. It says, Luke chapter 1 verse 29. It says, But when he saw him, he was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Next verse. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Next verse. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall name him Jesus. You shall name him Jesus. Now, one of the things I want to point out for you in this text is the word that was used, shall. The word shall is an affirmation, an assertion. It means that you don't have any other choice but to call him this name, Jesus. It is called Yeshua. You shall call him, Jesus is the English version of Yeshua. You shall call him Jesus. Not you can call him. Not you may call him. Not you should try and call him. You shall call him 
Jesus. Now, why his name Jesus is powerful? Because you see, you can call anybody Jesus. There are, I mean, there's one of the favorite footballers that I love. He used to play for um, Sevilla. Is this Sevilla? Yeah. His name is Jesus. Jesus Navas. I mean, Jesus Navas. Is it Jesus Navas? <laughs> Jesus Navas. He plays football there. Why? What makes that name different? Look, I want to teach you something very powerful tonight, and I don't want you to miss it. Because if you miss what I'm about to say to you, you would have conflict in your mind when you hear somebody's called Jesus. So, how come they are called Jesus? And is that name really Jesus? Is that name really powerful? Da, 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 da. Why is it called Jesus, and why is that name powerful? The first thing that you must understand is the fact that, number one, when we say in Jesus Christ's name we pray, Jesus and Christ is Christ is not the son name of Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not the last name of Jesus. The meaning of the word Christ means the anointed one and is anointing. Christ is not his son name. Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. Now then, why is that name powerful? Look, the reason why God had to call him, call John the Baptist John and Jesus Jesus is because he was man and he had to take on human form and he had to live like man on the earth. Also, he had to be given name as man. Are you following what I'm saying there? He had to eat as man. He had to live like man. He had to do everything as man. There was no exclusivity given to Jesus as long as he was man. Everything that man must go through, he must go through. In other words, if man was named a name, he had to be named a name. So we are not going to say his name is Spirit. That's why it's not called the Holy Spirit. You see why we give the name Holy Spirit? Because there's no name for it. It's a spirit, but we use the word holy to buttress the spirit there. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you seeing what I'm saying there? So when it came to Jesus, Jesus had to have a name in context with the society that he was living. That's why his name is not Bolale. In Israel at the time, even to today, Bible scholars have clearly told us and shown us that there are people called even Jesus even in that time. It was not a new name. It was not a special name. What made that name special is not the name in itself in that sense. What made that name special is the anointing on that name. It's the anointing on that name. This is why the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed, glory to God, how God anointed, that name is anointed. What is the anointing? The anointing is the empowerment of God. The anointing is the enablement of God. The anointing is the ability of God. So what made that name special is that the name is anointed. Now let me explain it to you. Look at me everybody. Now you remember in the Bible, the Bible talks about, about Peter who's through his apron people were getting healed. Remember that? You remember that people were getting healed by shadows as well. It tells you something that the apron was anointed. Yes or yes? It also tells you something that the shadow was anointed. This gives us a spiritual indication that when it comes to the anointing, it is not only a person that can be anointed, it also means that material things or scientific things also can be anointed. So if the apron can be anointed, then it means that a name can be anointed. 
Because let me explain it to you this way. The name of Jesus is an office. It's just like the name called God. God is a position. It's an office of a monarch. It's the same way the name Jesus is like an office. So the anointing was upon that name. This is the difference between Yeshua, um, Jesus of Sevilla, that is playing football, and Jesus Christ. One's name is anointed. Are you hear what I'm saying? But I'm going to show you in a moment also how he got the name. So it's not just like, oh, the reason why, what buttresses the power of that name that completes the office and the authority of that name? I'll give an example. If I say, um, service must end by 8.30 today, because I'm the senior pastor of the church, I have the authority. And so if I say, shut that door, because of the authority that I have, they're going to shut that door because of my authority. Why? I'm speaking in my office. Because in my office, there are authority that I have and possess in that office. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Are you seeing it now? In my office. The moment, watch this, I leave this church and I go to Singapore and I enter into the mall of Singapore and I say, shut that door. Am I still in my office? Do they know me there? I'm out of my office. So the authority of my name is known in context to the people who know my name. The moment I'm out of that place, my name is still my name, but I don't have the authority of that office in that place. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is why the Bible says, therefore, God has highly exhausted, exalted him and given him a name. Watch this now. Above every other name. In other words, if you go to Singapore, that name is above every other name. Are you seeing that? If you go to Norway, that name is above every other name. If you go to Japan, that name is above every other name. If you go to Kuala Lumpur, that name is above every other name. It means that that name goes to any, it works in the office. Any place that name is mentioned or that name is, the office of that name is represented. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> oh boy. Karabataya. Did you see that? Now, Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Let's look at Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Thank you, Lord. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Did you see that? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So this year I was talking about the anointing of God for performance upon the life of Jesus. The anointing on the name. He says, he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to recovery of the sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Isaiah 11 verse 1. Let's go to Isaiah 11 verse 1. Isaiah 11 and verse 1. It says, and there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Next verse, verse 2. Verse 2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of the fear of the Lord, of the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. You see that anointing upon the life of Jesus as well. Now, I want you to go with me as I go a little bit further in this. 
Turn with me to these three openings, Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. Is somebody getting something this morning, this evening? Is somebody getting something? All right. Mark 16, 17. It says, and these signs shall follow those who believe in what? In what? What's that name? Who was talking here? Was this after he died? While he was on earth. So he knew about that name. Are you getting what I'm saying? It meant this. Look at this. Oof. Let me say this to you. Look at this. If, the, if you want to become a British citizen and you meet the Queen of England, now is the King of England, and the King of England writes a note for you and says, take it to the home office. But you are saying, no, 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 no. I want to, fo- you need to follow me to prove that you are the one that is giving me the passport. He said, I don't need to go there. Just take this note and just sign. Take this note and go. You take the note in belief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That the king of England has told me to go. The king of England did not follow you physically. In fact, let's even make it worse. The king of England told you, take that letter and go to Rwanda home office of the UK there. You take that letter and you go into the Rwanda home office. The moment you open up that letter, everybody in the security will do like this for you. They will cause you to pass. The king of England is somewhere sitting down, crossing leg, watching TV and eating tapioca. Enjoying his life. But with that letter, you had access and they gave you what you needed because of the letter of the king. Now watch this now, watch this now. The king never showed up. The king never said a word. The personality of the king never came there. What was speaking? Let me ask you. What was speaking? What? The name. The office. The office is not limited in the person alone. The office is also transferred to the name. Are you getting what I'm saying there? It's not limited to the person alone. The office also is to the name. So what gave you the right to get that passport was the name that was backing you up there. So when the Bible says, this time for follow them that believe in my name. So Jesus was saying in other words that my name would be as effective as though it is me that is there. You're not going to need me there. All you need is my name. Because I and my name are one. Are you getting what I'm saying there? Hallelujah. It says in my name. In other words, the moment you mention my name, I show up. See, the moment I took that letter to the home office... And I opened it from the letter of the, pre- of, the, of the king. What happened was that the king was there. Because the word, are you getting what I'm saying? This is what the Bible says, in the word of the king there is power. Not only in the king. Aye. So, it's not only that the king is power. The word of the king is also power. Somebody get what I'm saying here? Hallelujah. John chapter 14 and verse 13. John 13, 14. John 14, 13, pardon me. John 14, 13. Amen. It says, whatsoever you ask where? Church, please help me. Whatsoever you ask where? It says that I will do. That my Father may be glorified. Whatever you ask in my name. Another version actually puts it this way. Whatever you ask through my name. Let me give an example. Pastor, um, let me look. Please come. Imagine this. 
Watch this now. I want, this is my friend. And I have another friend who is Miss Adekoya. Now, I want to send this gift to Miss Adekoya. But I am not going to be able to see Miss Adekoya because I'm not going to meet Miss Adekoya. Then he and I were talking and he says, oh, I'm going to see Miss Adekoya this evening. And I said, oh, you're going to see Miss Adekoya? Oh, nice, nice, nice. I have something I want to give to you. Then I give it to him. Then I ask you, please help me give it to Miss Adekoya. Please give it to her. Watch this. Stay there. How did the gift get to her? Through him. Through him. Hmm, I'm going somewhere. Through him. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. It means it is through the name that that file is delivered to her. You get what I said there? Through the name. So in other words, watch this. I want to teach something there that will really help you. When the Bible says, let us now come boldly to the throne of grace, whereby we may obtain mercy and find grace in times of need. When the Bible is telling us those kind of texts, listen to this. Many times we think that when we are praying, is we and God. But if it was we and God, the Bible would not say that we have a mediator or a high priest. The high priest is Jesus. This is why the Bible says, there is no other name wherewith man must be saved. It must come through the name which means to transport this thing to meet this person, it must come. The courier service is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Why the name of Jesus? Because that is the official recognized anointed one amongst every other name that is called Jesus or so. The Jesus Christ that died, the official recognized one, that anointed one is the one that can deliver that thing. Can I have my Bible back now? Glory to God. Did you get that? Thank you very much. How did Jesus get his name? Number one, by inheritance. By inheritance. It says, Jesus received an excellent name. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4. by inheritance. Watch this. It says, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they by inheritance. The word inheritance there is very simple. If I have 20 property and I want to write my will and I write all the names of the property in the name of my daughter, I've transferred an inheritance to her. It's your business to say that she was not the one that built it. But according to the law, she owns it. You can argue for all you can. That's your problem. But according to the law, she owns it. So when the Bible says the name was given to him by inheritance, it means the anointing was given to him by inheritance. That is one of the ways Jesus obtained that name. By inheritance. Because of time, let's go to number two. Number two. By conquests by conquests let's open to Ephesians 1 19 Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 it says and what is the great exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power look at this verse 20 which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Now, let's go all the way to verse 22. Verse 21 now. 21. And put all things under his feet. Okay, far above all principalities and powers, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. Next verse. And put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So, how was the name given? By conquest. What does the word conquest mean? If you read Colossians chapter 1, all the way from verse 15 down to the end. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That's, a, that's conquest. The conquest there did not mean that Jesus fought the devil. No. The conquest there simply means that the penalty was paid once and for all by the precious lamp, the blood of Jesus. So the conquest there was not that there was a fight in heaven or in hell, pardon me. That was not the conquest. It wasn't like he fought him, he fell him down, he fought him, he fell him down, then Jesus now won. No, the conquest there was that a penalty was paid and that penalty was the blood of the only begotten, which is Jesus. And the moment that was done, the penalty was paid and the conquest occurred and victory was won. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? So Jesus got that name by conquest. Because the sports, principalities and powers, it made an open spectacle of them. Pam, you get a name. You know how we tell our kids that if you do well this, this session, we're going to buy you bicycle. And they do well and we'll never buy it. But thanks be unto God, we have a good father. Who is Jesus? Who is God? Who always does what he says? But you know how you, how you, how you, how you give people things sometimes. You say, if you do this for me, I'll give you this. You reward them. So, the conquest of Jesus gave him that name. Are you getting what I'm saying there? Hallelujah. Number three, by bestowal. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. Philippians 4 verse 9. Haven't... Alright. It says, the things which you learned and received and heard. Philippians chapter 2, pardon me, verse 9. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him. And what? Can I hear you? Borrowed him. What did he say he did? Given him a name, which is what? Say it loud. Above. Above. It means that that name is more powerful than the Queen of England's name. More powerful than the king of Belgium's name. Guess what's more powerful than your boss's name? Guess what's more powerful than your president's name? Guess what's more powerful than your economy's name? Everything has a name. Do you know that? Oh yes, everything has a name. Tree has names. Everything on the earth has names. The wind has a name. Everything. Economy has name. Society has name. Kingdoms has name. But he's giving them a name that is above every other name which is above every other name verse, verse 10 let's go there verse 10 that what at the at what name of Jesus every knee guess what the Bible here talking about knee must bow wasn't only talking about knees of demons are you getting what I'm saying do you now understand that sometimes when you are worshipping and the thing enters into a level you bow your knees many times you don't even know when you did it 
subconsciously every knee must bow at the mention of the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And those on earth and those under the earth. Next verse, verse 11. And every thong should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. So you see the ways in which name was given by Je- to Jesus. Number one is what? Talk to me, everybody. Number one is what? Number two? Number three? Number four? By yourself, Avi. All right, let's write these last things down. There are two major ways to use the name of Jesus. Number one, the name of Jesus is used to access the throne of God in prayer. John 16, 23. John 16, 23. The name of Jesus is used to access the throne of God in prayer. You know when you go to the ATM machine or you buy food and you have to use your POS, you know what you must have, you must do? You must put your PIN code. Once you put it and you put it wrongly, you press enter, it says access denied. Yes or yes? Or you go to the ATM, you put it in, you put in the wrong one, even if it's one that you missed, one digit you missed. You put it wrong, pam, it says access denied. But you go there and you press it right, pam, 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 pam. It says what? Access granted. If you have money there, it comes out. If you don't have money there, it looks at you. But thanks be unto God, there's always a bank in heaven that we can come boldly. The name of Jesus is that access code. Every time you mention that name, every time you declare that name, what happens is that you just pressed a pin that is always working. Pam! Access granted. So, we use that name to access. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you come for an event, like next conference and some of these events we do, what do we do for you? We give you a talk. When you want to get inside, those guys that used to be like this, the bouncers, if they don't see the tag, they say you to go out. Why? You don't have the access in your hands. Through that access, you can't enter. But guess what? God did not give us a physical access. God did not give us something that we can look at every time. Thanks be unto God, we didn't have to carry an ATM card. What if you forget the ATM card at home, which is the access? The day you forget it at home, then the name of the Lord cannot be a strong tower for you. What if there is thief coming and you cannot see him or see her? Because there are female thieves now. Thanks be unto God, you don't have <laughs> that one that you carry about, like an identity card. But that name is the blood. Are you getting what I'm saying? In fact, let me put it this way. If I had more time, I would show to you that the power of that name of Jesus is actually the fact that that name of Jesus was what is Jesus who died for us and the potency of it is actually the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. So guess what? You can call that name anytime. And that name is mighty to save. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Bible says what? The righteous run into it and they are safe. Hallelujah. When the Bible says, He that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. He's not talking about a physical place. If you have the name of Jesus, you are dwelling in the place of the Most High. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't be going every day thinking that you're about to enter in one umbrella that can break anytime. The name of Jesus is, are you getting what I'm saying? He that dwells, who is dwelling? Are you dwelling? Are you dwelling? Are you dwelling? Yeah. John 16, 30, 23. And in that day, you would ask me nothing. Somebody say nothing. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father, what? In 
my name. That will he give you. Go to the next verse. Verse 24. And in that day you would ask, verse 24 please. Verse 24. Alright, let's keep going. Number two. I, wrote, I said the first thing is the way we use the name of Jesus. There are two major ways we use the name of the Number one is to what? I can hear you. Number one is to what? Number two, the name of Jesus is used to take authority over all the forces of evil. Colossians 2.14 Colossians 2.14 We use the name of Jesus to take authority. Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who are you? Look at this. And I'll close up with this. In John chapter, Acts chapter 3, they were going to the gate of beautiful. Remember the story? And that very day, they saw the guy who was lame, staying every time, very close to the temple. But we'll never go in there. Peter and John looked at the guy straight to the face. They say, silver or gold, we have none such that we have, we give. Many times when we quote that scripture, we always see it as though it's only Peter and John that has that name. You also have that name. And such as you have, you can give. It says we don't have money, we don't have gold, we don't have silver, we don't have frankincense, we don't have marrow, we don't have all of those things. But we have something that is above every other thing. It's the name of Jesus. In other words, what we're saying is that if we have the name, we can produce what we don't have with the name. It says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and work. The guy stood up and began to work. Why? That name. You know why the name works that way? Because the name is backed up with the power of the Godhead. The name is backed up with the authority of the Godhead. And the name is backed up with the wisdom of the Godhead. I hope you wrote those three things down. The name of Jesus. This helps you to understand the name. Rise on your feet. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Acts 4 verse 12. Have you been blessed? Are you sure? Acts 4.12 Let's read this together. One, two, three, go. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I'm not talking to a supernatural army. One, two, three, go. Say it one more time. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. I'll close with this very powerful analogy and I want to put something in your consciousness. If you're a career professional, you're a business owner, someone who wants to move to the next phase of your life, how do I use the name of Jesus in my career, in my business? How? It starts out with a consciousness. The consciousness is this way. Look at me, everyone. That name is not something external. The moment you keep thinking about the name of just something far away from you, it would be far-reaching for you. That name is inside. Are you hear what I'm saying? It's from here. It's deep within your soul, your spirit. And so every time you mention that name, it comes out like a bazooka. Pa! Hits the subject matter. 
because the name comes with power Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 the word of God is quick powerful and sharp the name comes with power and it goes out with consciousness you've been conscious that this name is powerful so when it comes to your career things are not going right in the name that is above every other name in the name of Jesus I speak to this matter now with that consciousness of that name you begin to see that name do things that you've never seen it do before I want you to address one situation in your life that has been tough and use that name in the next seven days come back and share your testimony can you practice it can you practice it think about something that is a disturbing situation in your life go ahead right now go ahead right now use that name you've been taught the name now practice the name name that neither sleeps nor slumber the name of deliverance look at me everyone look at me everyone let me just put something in your spirit do you know all through the Old Testament even though it was not the name of Jesus that was being used for deliverance, but it was symbols of representation of that. A good example. When the Bible says they should put the blood on the lintel of their doorposts when they're going to be passing over, it's a spiritual representation there of the blood of the lamp. When the Bible says, go and put the serpent and hang up that serpent and anyone who looks shall leave, it's also a spiritual representation. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That name is a strong tower. The righteous calls on it and they are safe. Then if that name was that potent in the old covenant, how much more now we who are in a better covenant with better promises? Can I use that name one more time tonight? Use that name one more time. 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 In the name of Jesus. Lord God, Jesus. Lord God, Jesus. Palela, palemokoya. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. The effectiveness of that name is not in the hanging of the name on your doorpost in your house or putting it in your car as a Bible. The effectiveness of that name is in the speaking it, is in the declaring it, is in the saying of it. That's the effectiveness of that name. Hallelujah. And every time you mention that name, Luke chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, what shows up is not the Jesus that walked on the sea of Galilee is the glorified Jesus is the one who has fires in his eyes and two edges sword in his mouth the glorified Jesus the one who John saw 
and he said he fell as a dead man the same one who was putting his head in his bosom saw the glorified one and fell as a dead man the glorified Jesus and that's the one that is walking for you walking with you walking in you walking through you and walking in you have you been blessed somebody shout that name one more time shout it one more time Shout it one more time! Shout it one more time! Shout it one more time! Give God a shout of praise! We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.